We are going to continue our series today on our family values. We have eight family values that we've been going through and focusing on as a church that we've identified. Pastor Mike did an excellent job last week in talking about radical discipleship. It's a powerful message. If you didn't hear that, uh, check that out online. And today we're going to be talking about joyful generosity. So here's, here's a list of our family values. So we started off talking about authentic worship and then missional living, faithful prayer, loving community, unified diversity, radical discipleship, today joyful generosity, and next week biblical integrity. Um, these are values. These are, are things that we have identified that are important to us as a family that mark our lives and things that we want to continue to grow in and be marked by more and more because we believe that these reflect a healthy Christian. These reflect a life that's following Jesus Christ genuinely. And so we're pursuing these things. We want to focus in on these things. Today we're going to be launching from Acts chapter 20. Uh, and let me just say this. This is a harder topic for me to talk about when it comes to addressing finances, possessions, and stewardship. And it's, it's a hard topic for various reasons. One is there's a lot of TV preachers out there that, that overemphasize this topic of money and blessing and prosperity. And, and, and so there's a bad reputation for churches or pastors that, that talk about this. And if you're new here, just want you to know, like, if this is your first time, we don't talk about this all the time here, okay? Uh, this comes every once in a while as we, we approach it in the text or as we're in a series like this. Another reason it's difficult to talk about is because my last name's Dollar, okay? <laughs> Pastor Keith Dollar. That's not the, that's not the best name for a preacher preaching on or generosity or stewardship, right? Uh, here, and we don't want to in any way give the impression that's, that's what we're about here and, and that's what we're aiming after. Because here, here's another reason why it's difficult to talk about because false teachers are marked this is a hallmark of false teachers is that, is that they are marked by greed and covetousness. Okay? And so we in no way want to go the way of Balaam and no way go the way of the false teachers of this day that are putting an overemphasis on this. Yet, as a pastor here, I know that I will not serve you all well unless I talk about this important topic in the scripture because it's all over the scripture. And Jesus talked about money and how we use it a whole lot in the Bible. And so I would ignore, I would have to ignore many passages of scripture if I didn't talk about it. And Jesus talked about this often because he knew that our treasure is so closely tied to our hearts. And he went for the hearts of men and women. He wanted to see them set free. He wanted to see them know God in a genuine relationship and help them get free from anything, any barrier that would uh, keep them from, from knowing God and having a genuine relationship with him. So these are our values. Let me say a prayer and we'll dig in here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And today, as we open up the pages of Scripture, as we see truth in Scripture, I pray that our minds would be renewed, that we would have your perspective, and that we would become joyfully generous people whose lives prioritize your kingdom. 
I pray that you would tear down any strongholds in our lives, any lies that we believed in this area, and that you would free us up and that we would truly experience the blessed life of it being more blessed to give than it is to receive. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's the big idea where we're going today is that God has been abundantly generous towards us and the effect of his generosity on us leads us to be joyfully generous towards others. This is our statement under this family value on our website. Uh, also on the back of our guest cards, we have these values here listed. And so look at Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 32. The apostle Paul was addressing the Ephesian elders. He, he knew that he wasn't going to see them again. He knew that, 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 that there was some difficult things coming his way. Uh, and he was giving this farewell address to the uh, Ephesian elders. And he, and he crescendos at the very end of this speech to the Ephesian elders after he uh, describes how he lived among them in humility, uh, how he poured out his life for the sake of the gospel. They saw his example. He led by example. He led a Christ-like life. And he's, and he's pointing to the elders to, to look at how he lived among them. And he's crescendoing at this last part. And he says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. And give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to make the connection here. I want you to see verses 32 and verses 35. I said the big idea is that God has been generous towards us, abundantly generous towards us. And we, we see that from the beginning of creation, God blessing humanity and giving humanity everything in this world to enjoy, except for one tree, fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And, and, and then we see through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see the generosity of God, the grace of God showered upon us sinners. We get, there, there's an old acronym for grace that you may have learned in Bible Sunday school. Uh, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. For us, Jesus came and he laid his life down. He gave his life. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave his life for us. And that is the gospel of grace. Acts twenty twenty four. that Paul said he was giving himself to testify about everywhere. And he says, now I commend you to God and to his word of grace. I commend you to God and his word of grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. You and I have a great inheritance in Christ Jesus. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 1, God has been abundantly generous towards us. And then verse 35, he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
You see, the effect of receiving and experiencing the grace of God in our lives as recipients is that we become conduits of his grace. You see, God not only wants us to be recipients of his grace and love, but he wants us to be conduits. He wants his grace to flow through our lives. Otherwise, we die and we get we get stagnant and we shrivel up like the Dead Sea that has life going into it, but no life going out. You see, God's designed us and we become fully alive when we're not only recipients of his blessing and his grace, but where we're givers, where we're letting that grace flow through our lives. And that's the gospel effect upon a human heart. God changes the human heart. God changed the Apostle Paul's heart. The Apostle Paul was a man who was gospel-centered. The gospel of grace transformed his life. And he says, I've coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves know these hands have worked hard, have ministered to my needs and to those with me. And in all things, I've shown you by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And then he, he closes with, it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And after this, they, they cried and they hugged him and, and, and they sent him off, right? So Paul quotes this, this phrase from Jesus and we don't have any record of it in the gospels. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. He attributes it to Jesus. We don't see this specific phrase in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Some think that it might be just taking from the jest of what Jesus talked about, maybe in Luke 6. Or the gospels didn't record, as John says at the end of the gospel of John, the gospels, John says there were many more things that Jesus did. That, that aren't recorded in this book, right? We do believe that these are the words of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And we believe these words are true, don't we? That it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, I'm not convinced that all, all of us believe that these words are true. I think many of us need to have our minds renewed in this reality that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. This doesn't make sense to the natural mind. This is one of those kingdom paradoxes. Like if you want to live, then you got to die. If you want to be great, you got to be the servant of all. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. If you want to be first, be last. This is one of those kingdom paradoxes that are difficult to make sense. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now I think we all get it's blessed to receive, right? You don't have to convince children of that. You don't have to convince any human being. We we know it feels really good to receive, especially when we have a need and, and God shows up. Uh, we know that's a blessing, but but here the Apostle Paul's quoting Jesus and he's saying there's a greater blessing than just merely receiving from God. There's a greater blessing of being a conduit of God's grace into the lives of other people. And Paul's example here, Paul had the right to receive financial support from the churches as an apostle. And there were times where he forfeited that right for the sake of being an example and a witness and not giving any impression at all that he was in it for the money because he wasn't. He wanted to see the kingdom of God advance. He wanted to see Christ glorified. He wanted to see salvation come to all peoples for the joy of all peoples and the glory of God. 
And so Paul points to his example. He says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want to convince you this morning, saints, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want us to be renewed, have our mind renewed around this particular truth that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That we would be moved into a lifestyle by the grace of God, by the work of the Spirit of God, that we would be moved into joyfully generous lives where we fully come alive and we experience the greater blessing of giving and benefiting another life of someone else. So why? Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Why should we live joyfully generous lives? I have 10 particular reasons why I think we should do that. And hopefully you will be convinced that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. God loves a cheerful giver, first of all. God loves it. When, when, when somebody not only gives, but when they give cheerfully, I think that the Greek word is, uh, is where we get our word hilarious. Pastor Mike preached on this last year, by the way. If you want a, expo- a great expository sermon on 2 Corinthians 9, go look back about a year ago. Pastor Mike preached on this. He did a wonderful job. The sermon's titled, The Grace of Giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 is, this is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, as under compulsion, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God delights in cheerful givers. He he's glorified when 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 he looks out on his children and he sees them not only giving but giving cheerfully and joyfully. I shared with with some of you all uh, via an email I sent out this week of my son and we're we're trying to teach him the importance of tithing and giving and we want him to become a a, a cheerful giver. And so he had his birthday a few weeks ago and he got the most money he's ever had from family. He got about $125, okay? And he was like, he feels like he's rich. You know, he has $125. What do I do with this? And we encouraged him to, to tithe with it. Now, of course, it's, you know, it's easier when you get, have $10 or, you know, you know, a small amount to tithe on. And we thought there was going to be some pushback encouraging him to give 10% on, uh, on $125. And to our surprise, he joyfully put in a $20 bill in the tithe and we didn't have to convince him. We didn't have to twist any arms. He willingly did it. And, and as his father, my heart delighted to see that. My, my heart delighted to see that he's learning the importance of giving. We want to train our children to, to be givers, not just consumers, not just recipients, not just takers, but, but givers, those who give to the Lord and then to those around. The second thing is, is that God has been generous towards us. Just think about how kind and generous God's been towards you. The Bible says in, in James 1 that, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. 
every good gift that you experience in this life is a gift from the hand of your loving Father who delights to lavish good gifts upon you. Ephesians 1 talks about those gifts that of grace, the riches of His grace that He's lavished upon us in Christ Jesus. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and those blessings won't stop. Paul says in Romans 8, two, He says, He who did not spare His Son... But gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So here's the logic in this. Speaking about the generosity of God here. The logic in this is that God gave up the most important gift of all to us. His son Jesus Christ. He didn't withhold giving up his own son. He willingly out of love for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the logic is if God gave his son, then surely he's going to give you and I everything else. If God's already given us his son... Why would we think God's going to withhold on us on the smaller things in life, in this life or in eternity to come? His goodness is just going to keep on channeling towards us like wave after wave throughout all eternity. And it's more blessed for us not only to receive that, but to give, to, to let that blessing flow through our lives. Chuck Swindoll says this, in light of God's magnificent grace, a cheerful heart and open-handed generosity seem the most natural responses. In light of God's magnificent grace, a cheerful heart and an open-handed generosity seem the most natural responses. God has created us in His image. He's designed us, he's, he's formed us to reflect him in his character. And that's the next thing, is when you and I give, we're acting like our heavenly father. We're doing what he does. We're imitating his, his love through our lives. You and I as Christians, as born again children of God, we have this DNA within us to be generous to be givers, to bless those around us because God is our Father and that's what He's like. And so to love those around us through giving and benefiting them around us is natural for us now, or supernatural, if you will. Jesus says in Luke 6, He says, But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of your, of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Paul exhorts the Ephesians and he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and He gave Himself up for us. And so we want to reflect God in this generosity and, and letting his blessings flow, his grace and blessings flow through our lives as conduits of his grace. And this is when we will be fully alive. This is when we're going to experience the greatest satisfaction and joy when we're letting him work through our lives. And by the way, giving and generosity isn't just limited to money or possessions. Okay. We can give our time, we can give our talent, and we can give our treasure. Some people just want to give some money and just kind of clear their conscience and not feel guilty. Let's 
just give them some money and leave me alone, right? But they're not willing to give time to somebody. Or talent, you have a gift, you have, you have the capacity to convey grace into the life of another person through your words and through your actions, through, through your gifting. God's given you a talent. He's given you a spiritual gift and through which you can convey the grace of God into the life of another. The other thing is, is that God demands that we live generous lives. It's not really optional for us. If we're going to really follow Jesus in his footsteps, Jesus, if Jesus is Lord of all, then our lives will show it. Our pocketbook will show it, right? Our, our words will show it. The way we spend our time, our treasure, and the way we use our talent will show that Jesus is Lord of all or he's not in our lives. Jesus said this in Luke 12. He said, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Romans 12 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I love that, that Kevin testified recently when he was without a job, five months without a job, Within our body here, because we are a family and joyful generosity is one of our values, that there was, without asking, there was voluntarily giving towards him and his family from within the body. Because the family of God here saw a need and said, we want to help out. We want to, we want to be a blessing. And so God demonstrates generosity in his character, but he also demands that we live like that. That's a part of loving. You can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. There's a song that says love isn't love until you give it away, right? So if it's just a warm feeling that you have inside of you, but there's no action, then, then you're missing something. Love should have some action behind it, and it should affect how we use our words, how we use, how we use our resources. The time, talent, and treasure that we give towards another person. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, do not, do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Your sharing with another person is an act of worship to God. I, I sent out an email this week explaining something about our litur- liturgy here at City Church. In the middle of our service, we have a, a space for offering, and, and we see... Tithes and offerings, when we give, we see that as an act of worship to God ultimately. And, and when God, God's pleased when we do that. When we share what we have with others, when we give to Him, when we show that, that we love the gospel more than we love our comfort. That we love, that we love the kingdom of God more than we love, uh, living lux- luxuriously. First Timothy six eighteen says they are to do good, and this is specifically Paul's telling Timothy how to what to say to the rich and how to address them. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. God demands that we live generous lives. Also, when you give, you guard yourself from materialism and greed. We live in a culture that is so materialistic as Americans especially those of us who live here in the Dallas area. I mean, materialism is the, the, the water we swim in, the air that we breathe here, right? 
And, and so giving has a way of guarding yourself, guarding yourself from, from being sucked into the, the, the waves of materialism and greed. First Timothy six, Paul warns about the dangers of wealth. And this is one of my favorite passages addressing this. But it says, but, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into snare, into a snare, into many shameful and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. There are great dangers that come along with wealth, with having wealth. Now, money and wealth in and of itself is not evil. It's not wrong. Some people misunderstand this and they, they think, well, money's evil. You know, just get it away from me. I don't want to ever mess with it, right? But it's the love of money that Paul says is is that's, that's the root of all evil. And we're to guard ourselves from that. George Mueller says, laying up treasures in heaven will draw the heart heavenward. Laying up treasures in heaven will draw the heart heavenward. So we want to guard our hearts from materialism and greed. Randy Alcorn, in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, says giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. Dethrones me and exalts him. Derek Kinder, commentator, theologian, says, If anything is worse than the addiction money brings, it's the emptiness it leaves. You see, there's this deception with wealth and money. And the, one of the deceptions is, is that it's going to satisfy it promises happiness. If I just had some more money, I'll be happy. If I just had a, a pay raise, if I just had some something other than God, some wealth, some possession, some money, I'm going to be happy. Yet how much, how much will it take for us to be happy? When will we ever be satisfied? Just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And it never satisfies. It never ultimately, and it's not made to. Because money's never made to be our God. And that's the problem. We make money and wealth and possessions. We make those things God because we think that we're going to find happiness in those things. And giving has a way of protecting our hearts from that. By the way, so, so since I've been a Christian, I have practiced the discipline of, of giving 10%, at least 10% of my income to the Lord. And that has been a safeguard for me. So in my mind, even when finances were tight for me, I would trust God that he would provide for me. And I wasn't going, or when finances increased, I trusted God, continue to take care of my needs. He's going to provide. And I'm not going to let my heart uh, be drawn away by the love of money and thinking that it's going to provide happiness. Another reason to give is that you store up treasures in heaven. Now this, for some, this may seem selfish or it may seem like a uh, a wrong or bad motive, but Jesus gives us this as a motive for forgiving, for being a generous, living a generous life. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, 
But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Paul makes it clear in 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. They are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to give. Look look at verse 19. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take a hold of what is truly life. God is not against investments. He is not against investments at all. He just doesn't want you to settle for a very narrow, short-sighted investment of just this life. He wants you to see past just the, the three months or the three years or 30 years. He wants you to see into eternity and, and invest in eternity because we can't take anything with us in this life. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. And, and the reason why a hearse doesn't pull a U-Haul trailer is because you can't take it with you. Okay? You can't take these things with you. But you know what you can do? Is you can send it on up. You can send it on up by being generous, living a generous life. You can store up your treasures in heaven where you don't have to worry about a thief stealing from you. You don't have to worry about rust and moths and it breaking down and losing its newness. You can enjoy your investment for all eternity. And really, this is, this is the blessed life. This is the blessed life that Jesus described. He teaches us the best way to live. And it's a kingdom, it's, it's a paradox. There's a kingdom paradox with it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But if we truly believe the words of Jesus Christ, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, that, that as we're living generous lives, we are storing up for ourselves, a foundation, a treasures in heaven, then we're going to live like this. We're going to hold all, as uh, Corey Ten Boone said, I've learned to hold all things loosely so that when the Lord asks me to give them up, it doesn't hurt as much. Oftentimes we get heartbroken because we've made idols of the things of this world. I remember my son at one point, he was so attached to his Legos, he still enjoys his Legos, but he lost one one little piece of plastic a small little piece of plastic and he was heartbroken in the back of the van over this one little piece of plastic because it had become so important to him this one little cheap less than a penny piece of plastic that had become so important and so attached to his heart idols have a way of causing sorrow and heartbreak for us and so we're told over and over in Scripture to, to guard our hearts from these things. And, and wealth and possessions are one of the big ones that will subtly draw us away and can lead to much pain and destruction. Jim Elliott says this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There's a kingdom mentality right there. George Mueller says, Money is really worth no more than as it can be used to accomplish the Lord's work. Life is worth as much as it is spent for the Lord's service. So we want to store up our treasures in heaven. Jesus told this parable, one verse in Matthew thirteen forty four. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered it up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has And he buys that field. He stumbles upon this field. He finds this field. And he realizes this is 
This is a big treasure. I need to get this. I need to go sell everything I have and get this. That is a beautiful picture of a joyfully generous life. Now, <laughs> I, I, I want to make, make it clear, too, that I don't think that Jesus is implying that we can buy the kingdom of God or buy salvation by selling what we have. But I think when I think the point is, is that when you or I see the value of the kingdom of God, we're going to be willing to give up anything to invest in it, to follow Jesus, that that everything else becomes secondary. Everything else uh, loses its value and its worth in light of the worth and the beauty of King Jesus and his everlasting kingdom that you and I get to be a part of. Do you value the kingdom of God like this? Do you prioritize the kingdom of God? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. People who don't know God are, are preoccupied with stuff. Shopping. Just shop, 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 shop away. I was in the mall last week getting some school clothes for my son and I was just overwhelmed by all the shopping, and if there's, it was probably school shopping, a lot of it, you know, a lot of families. But those who don't know God preoccupy themselves with, what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? About the things of this life. And Jesus says, don't let that distract you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those, those other things, they're secondary. I'm, I'm going to give you your daily bread. I'm going to take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here at City Church, we value the kingdom of God. We want to be all in, willing to lay down whatever the Lord asks us to lay down for the sake of the gospel. I was just thinking about this. Just thinking about my own life in, in light of this. I, I, I have a lot of room to grow in this area. Just this morning, I was thinking about the past 20 years that I've been a Christian. And, and the, the ways that, that God has led me to give of myself, my time, my talent, and my treasure. Even, even planting this church and leading this church. And, and I love that I get the privilege. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to see one person come to faith. It's so worth it to see one person discipled and built up and, and living in their, their God-given design. Doing the will of God. It's so worth it. The kingdom of God is worth selling all for and investing in. So may we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Also, you and I get the pleasure of seeing another person benefit when we give in a very tangible way. Hudson Taylor says, The less I spent on myself and the more I gave it to others, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. Now, I try to convince my children that it's more blessed to give than receive. And you know, it, it, a lot of times it just doesn't work in the moment when they're like, she's not sharing this with me. He's not sharing this with me. A lot of times it doesn't work. I'm like, in the moment, I'm like, you know, it really is better to give than to receive. It's better to share and prefer your sister or brother over yourself. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't register for them in those moments. It's like, no, I want it. I want it now. They got it. It's mine. Give it back. And you know what? It won't register for our children or for us until we actually do it. 
until we actually step out in this. I mean, we can know it here and be like, yeah, I believe it's more blessed to give than receive. Preach it. Come on. That's awesome. I believe the Bible. It's an inspired word of God. It's authoritative word of God. But we won't experience the reality of this blessing until we give ourselves away. Until we invest just like God has invested into us. He's poured grace upon grace into our lives. We get to experience God in a profound way when we step into this. And this truly is the blessed life. It's not about accumulating stuff. It's about giving. Giving of ourselves, our time, treasure, and talent. I got two more. When you and I give, we have the assurance of our love and faith being genuine. 1 John 3, 16 through 19, James 2, 14 through 17. 1 John says this, But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. You see, when you and I love someone in a practical way to where it affects our pocketbook, we're assured of who we are. When we're doing that because we're loved by God, we're children of God. This is what children of God do. They love. And and, in a very practical, tangible way to love is by giving to those around us in need. James makes a very similar argument about our faith. If if we see somebody like that in need and we don't do anything, our faith is dead, he says. It's faith without works. It's not genuine. Two more things. Gosh, I got 10 points today. Sorry, y'all. You strengthen the credibility of your witness with unbelievers when you give. When you live lives of joyfully generous lives, you let your light shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They, they see that you're really a true follower of Jesus because of your love for one another. Your credibility, the credibility of your witness is strengthened as you and I live lives of joyful generosity. And lastly, you help advance the gospel. Paul in Philippians talked about this partnership he had with the Philippian church as he was out on the mission field, out on the front lines, and they were financially supporting him for years. They were investing in the work that he was doing in his life and the people that were coming to faith through his preaching and ministry. And so he, there's this gospel partnership that they had. J.I. Packer says this. He says, the ministry of giving has many goals, spreading the gospel, sustaining the church, providing care for distressed individuals. The ministry of giving in all its forms aims to advance the kingdom of God, which becomes reality in human life whenever the values and priorities of Christ's teachings are observed. It goes without saying that in this ministry, all God's people are meant to be involved. So what are the barriers for you and I? What keeps you and I from living joyfully generous lives? What's what's the blockage in the pipe of you being a conduit that's just transferring and conveying the grace of God into everyone's life around you because you're receiving and you're giving? Well, one of the big ones is fear. And Jesus addressed this. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Fear. Oftentimes we, we have this scarcity mentality. 
this fear of not having enough, this orphan mentality, like we gotta, we gotta just hold on to it, right? But when we know God, we know the generous heart of God, the gracious and generous heart of God and the gracious hand of God, then we're able to trust Him with our lives and trust Him with everything that we have. I mean, really, it's all His anyways. And that's another reason why we don't give is lack of understanding. We, we see ourselves as owners rather than stewards. You see, biblically speaking, we should see ourselves as stewards of all that we have. And God's the owner. It's all His. Like, and, and a lot of times we don't, we, we're not letting God's grace flow through us because we think this is mine. And we, we ask ourselves, what do I want to do with my stuff versus what does God want me to do with His stuff? Right? And so we fear, we're afraid that there's not going to be enough. And a lot of times, this is this goes with faith of just not believing that in God's goodness, that God's going to continue to provide and continue to take care of you. Also, the love of money. Some of us may have a, a real love for money. We just love money more than we love God or more than we love people. And it's just got a grip on our hearts. And the way to combat that is to give I mean, the, the primary way, the best way is to give, as Randy Alcorn says, the antidote for that is just giving. Also, indifference. Some of us maybe just don't care enough. God forbid this should be any of us. That our hearts would be hardened and indifferent to those who are hurting around us. That we don't care enough to take action to give to a brother or sister who are in need. Another barrier is deceitfulness of riches. We're, we're deceived thinking that it's, it's, it's material and money, wealth that's going to make us happy, that's going to provide security and safety, meaning, purpose, identity, happiness. And yet we're, we're deceived and we're left empty. And it wounds our souls and it destroys our lives and destroys our relationships because we value stuff more than people. I mean, when, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, bring me all my stuff. Bring me all my toys, my guns and my boat and my whatever, you know, bring me my degrees, bring me my whatever. When you're on your deathbed, you want people around you that you love, people that you've invested your life in, that care and matter most to you. When it's all said and done, that's what matters most is our relationship with God and our relationship with people, right? And that's how we invest in eternity. Uh, lastly, just uh, unwise stewardship. We just make poor choices sometimes with our finances, and then we're not freed up to be generous to those around us because we, we got sucked into that, that terrible buy. You know, that thing that we totally didn't need and we really didn't even want it. We just got persuaded to get it, and now we're making payments on it. And we... <laughs> can, is, is there anybody that can relate to that? Okay. Okay, God give us wisdom. There's lots of wisdom in the Proverbs about how to steward what we have. There's lots of encouragement in the Proverbs to be generous with what we have. And so reflect on the generosity of God in your life. Just think about how good God's been to you, how generous and kind he's been to you. And renew your mind with a kingdom perspective on generosity, that that it is more blessed to give than to receive. By meditating on his promises. One of those things we, we read today is that it's, um, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Like, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that there is going to be a return and there is blessings going to come back? But, and then examine your heart. So a couple questions in examining your heart is, do I really believe God's perspective on giving generously? Am I responding as I do because I really care or because I feel guilty? 
Don't give out of guilt. There's something wrong if we're giving because we feel guilty. Here's my money. Or here's this. You know, God doesn't love a, a, a grouchy giver. He loves a cheerful giver, right? So uh, is my giving proportionate to my income? That's a good good question to ask. Have I have I prayed or am I giving impulsively? Am I, am I, am I a consistent giver or more hot and cold? And then lastly, seek to, seek to glorify God in being generous. Uh, this is a relevant topic because we, we make decisions every single day with what we spend and what we do with the things that have been entrusted to us. And it's all a stewardship from God. Our whole life is a stewardship of God. Let's be people who are joyfully generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. Let's be a people who are joyfully uh, generous with our smiles. Like, give smiles freely to people. Like, engage people. Like, show people that care by being present, giving them time, giving them your attention. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you you guide us by your word and by your spirit. And some of the, these things that seem a little more gray and unclear about how we should handle, you give us biblically informed convictions Spirit-guided convictions that, that we would live by, that we would apply what is clear in Scripture, that you've called us to live generously, and then that your Spirit would lead us and guide us in those things that are less clear. And I pray that you would guard each of us from, from the grip of greed and materialism. Deliver us from that, God. May we be examples of joyful generosity here more and more. For, our, for the sake of your glory and our own joy in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.